and welcome to the Strategic Hype Podcast. I am your host, Andrea, and this show is here to help you get your yay back in life and business. I'm a practical encourager, giving you real tools to tackle whatever is in your way and cheer you on. That's what I call strategic hype. I am so grateful you're here listening. It means that you are investing in yourself. Good job. Thanks for showing up. Today's episode is an interview with Commissioner Carrie Blumert, and I have had, wanted to have her on the show for over a year, and I'm so excited about this episode. Uh, Commissioner Carrie Blumert has served as an Oklahoma County Commissioner representing District 1 since January 2019. She is the youngest woman in state history to hold the position. Her background includes a Bachelor's of Science from Oklahoma State University in Child and Family Services and a Master's of Public Health from the University of Oklahoma. Before being elected, Carrie worked for the Oklahoma City-County Health Department managing public-private partnerships. She is passionate about mental health, addiction treatment, justice reform, and getting more women elected into public office. So, please join me in welcoming Commissioner Carrie Blumert. Carrie, I'm so glad you're here. Hello! <laughs> oh my gosh. To be honest, listeners, we've been talking for maybe 30 to 40 minutes. I can't be sure. I've just been like... <laughs> well, it, I did not know that I was a dream guest. You are Literally on I'm the whiteboard, dream guests. The rest will be kept a secret. But yeah, I have a list. She's on the list. It's funny, and I was so shocked. So the oh, let's Ooh, tell the people. one at the bottom is I I I vouch for the one at the bottom. Yeah, that would be heavy hitter, heavy hitter. I think she would do it. Um, I think she would too. But it was so funny because. I like to, first of all, tell people how I met all my guests, because I know all of my guests. It's not just some random person I invited to my house. (laughs) But um, we met through Creative Mornings. Mm -hmm. So I was co-hosting that with Mel. And you came and spoke, or it was at the Yale Theater, and I think Mm -hmm. it was 2019, but every year blurs together. It was 2019. It was in the summer, 2019? It was warm. Mm-hmm. I remember I wore people... a dress, so it must have been warm. It must have been, yeah. So, but how did you? How did you all? How did we meet for me to come to Creative Mornings? I don't remember. That. I think that was all Mel. Okay, and then she was like, "I think Commissioner Bloomer should be on the show." Okay, or on the show, you should be on my <laughs> podcast. She should be a speaker, and I was like, "That sounds amazing." And then I was like. Normally, Mel would handle a lot of that, and I would do more of the day of MC scheduling the sponsorship stuff. And she would, but she said, you know, I'm going to go do the preliminary interview. I was like, I want to go. <laughs> I want to go. I don't know why I said that, but it just, I felt, I felt real good about it. And we came to your office yeah. and sat on the infamous green couch. It's yes. so beautiful. Yes. And I remember your RBG, mm-hmm. uh, RIP. Yeah. Um. I have a little RBG action figure, and now I have an RBG candle, like a candle that you would light, like at a church service. 
those tall skinny candles with the their tall your... glass one. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what they're called. Yeah. So I have one of those for RBG now. That's amazing. Yeah. I loved it. I remember going to the office and being like, wow. First of all, it was kind of, I was like, we got to get buzzed in. This is important. You do have to be buzzed in. And we came in and I was like, first of all, this couch, I'm feeling it. Um, And I definitely was getting the hardcore Leslie Note vibes. Uh And I was like, Mm -hmm. whoa, Mm -hmm. whoa, (laughs) I cannot wait. It was awesome. And so then you came, you agreed to come speak. Mm -hmm. That was a very fun speaking engagement it was you're the people who came were genuinely very interested they asked very good questions um it was I really enjoyed that yes it was it was a really good one and it was at the beautiful Yale mm-hmm. theater like right after they had renovated it um so yeah it was super fun and I started the podcast I think in 2018 and it was very sporadic until recently and just kind of a side passion project. But I, after that day, I was like, ah, she would be cool on the podcast. But then I never asked and you. here be- we are. <laughs> here we years are. years later. It only took two years. I asked David to be on it, and then it took him a year. So it's just weird how things work out. Yeah. But um, I'm so glad you're here. Me too. OMG. And if you guys listen to the Ditch the Overwhelm episode with Mary Seams, Ooh. we mentioned Carrie. We both plead for Carrie to be on. It was so funny. Um, Cause yeah, it was just, it's so funny. And so when I, I, I just randomly DM'd you on Instagram and was like, Hey, will you be on my show? And sure. Like, yes, I would love to. Sure, I'd love that. And I was like, what? <laughs> you picked it. Well, this day worked very well for me because technically our offices are closed today. So yes, it is good Friday. Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm just so glad you're here. Um, So first thing I want to do is, will you tell us about your career journey? Like you went to college and you got two degrees that I already read in the intro, but forgot (laughs) (laughs) at OSU and somewhere else. Are they both from OSU? My master's is from the OU Health Science Center. Oh, yes. Let me scroll up here and I can read it. Um, Okay. So tell us about your journey. Like after college... And you went to the health department. Was that a straight shot out of college? How did that happen? So my undergrad was at OSU. It was child and family services, which is essentially social work. Mm -hmm. I thought I wanted to be a social worker. I was very passionate about health and wellness. I loved running. And I stumbled upon public health. I honestly think I Googled master's programs in Oklahoma related to social work. Wow. Stumbled upon public health, found out that the only master's of public health degree in the whole state was at the OE Health Science Center. And so I went straight from undergrad to grad school, which I don't recommend because I was very burnt out yeah, and just barely eked by my final year of grad school. And I, when I was in grad school, I thought I wanted to work for a public school system doing health education and health curriculum for public schools. Mm-hmm. So like working for the entire Oklahoma City Public School District, running their health and wellness curriculum and programming and got out of my master's. I was working at the time during my master's, I was working at a school for kids on the autism spectrum and I loved it. I loved it. If they had had a full time spot, I would have stayed there, but they did not. So I started looking for a full time job Um 
because I was full-time school, part-time work. Wow. And I got a job at Girl Scouts, their corporate office. And I was doing community development, which is essentially you go out into the counties where, like I would go to Canadian County, I would go to Lincoln County and go into schools and try to recruit parents to volunteer, try to recruit girls to join. We would get money from United Way to go do programs in schools. And so I would go run after school programs or I'd run programs at lunch. And I knew that that's not what I wanted to do forever, but it was fun for, I think I was there for only like a year. However, the key to that draw was that I met Cindy Munson. Cindy. Yeah, who would be a great guest on this podcast. You know, I was thinking about it. Yeah. So Cindy is now a state representative um, here in Oklahoma City. She represents House District 85. And she was not a state representative at the time. And I remember she came to my office one day. This was 20, 2013. Time is irrelevant at this point. Exactly. 2020 ruined time. Yeah. Our concept of it. And she told me that she was going to run for office for the state house. I had no idea what that meant. I just said, well, you're one of my best friends. I'll do whatever you need. Tell me what to do. And so over the next few years during her campaigns, because she ran and lost and then she ran again and won, I knocked on doors. I did phone banking. I went to events. Like I did whatever she wanted. And I really knew nothing about local. I was not engaged in local politics. That was my first campaign to ever help with. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't, I didn't know any better. I just did what she told me to do and really loved it. And then I started helping with other campaigns, a school board campaign, another house campaign. Slippery slope. Yes. (laughs) I, I was bit by the bug. So in the middle of all that, I got a job at the health department, which was much more in line with what I wanted to be doing. My first job at, and this is the Oklahoma City County Health Department. So mm-hmm. we are a separate agency from the state health department. All of our funding comes from property taxes. And we serve Oklahoma County and Oklahoma City. So my first job there was working in schools, doing mental health and suicide prevention wow. um, in middle schools and some high schools. So I never worked straight with kids because I was not a licensed mental health professional, Um, but we had a very certain curriculum that we use, and we would work with parents, and we would work with uh, counselors and school administrators on how do you create a culture and an environment in your school that supports children's mental health and especially adolescent mental health. Wow. And I loved that job. But that was a grant, a federal grant, and it Uh, went away. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't say it went away. Our agency chose to not participate in it again. So then I started teaching a program called Total Wellness at the health department, and it was a free program for adults who wanted to either manage their chronic disease or just get healthy. It was a free program. You could take it as many times as you wanted. You got a free health screening at the beginning and at the end. You got a free box of healthy pantry food at the beginning. What? It was an incredible program. It sounds like the health department is doing things that most people don't know about. Yes. Or at least I don't know about. Yes. Holy cow. And I loved that program. I was teaching. uh, I was meeting one-on-one with participants. We would call them and do check-ins and have kind of consultations over the phone. And I really enjoyed that. Then... So I'm still at the health department. Then I moved to a whole different department 
and managed all of our community partnerships, mostly with hospital systems and other nonprofits. So kind of the, at that time, this was five or six years ago, it was people were starting to figure out that the future of public health was not just immunizations, uh, restaurant inspection, and clinics. It was partnering with hospital systems to do unique programs out in the community. It was partnering with the energy soccer team Mm. to offer free camps for kids in the summer. It was all these unique ways of partnering with other networks out in the community. So that was kind of my job was to go out and bring in new partners for us, whether that meant um, grant funding or like, for instance, are, have you seen the mobile market? No. It is an old, what was a Coca-Cola delivery truck, and I apologize that I am making this story so long, is <laughs> a Coca-Cola delivery truck, and uh, Coca-Cola gave it to us. Oh, wow. And we turned it into a mobile grocery store, a mobile market, and put a wrap on the outside, put refrigeration on the inside, and we would drive to certain neighborhoods every weekend, and the food bank would provide food, and we would give out fresh produce. Wow. And then we had people put recipes, and so you would get this huge bag of fresh produce, and there was recipes in there of how to use everything in it. So that was possible because of partnerships. Metro Tech was our partner, Mm Coca-Cola, Food Bank. There was no way that we as the health department could have done that program on our own. And now I see the mobile market is partnered with St. Luke's Methodist. Obviously, that's not my program anymore, but I see it driving around town. I'm like, oh, that was my project. (laughs) So during that time when I was managing our community partnerships, I was still close with Cindy Munson. I was still helping with her campaigns. And I started thinking, this was like 2016. I started thinking, maybe in five years I'll run for office. Like, I, I, I think I could do this myself. This is cool to help Cindy, but I think I could do this myself, but I need a couple more years. And then the 2016 election happened and I was like, nope, I got to do it now. I can't wait. I can't wait. Wow. And I went to a Sally's List event in December of 2016, which Sally's List is an Oklahoma nonprofit that recruits women to run for office. Oh, wow. They would be... good guest on the podcast um keep dropping it girl keep dropping those guest ideas and at the time the director was Kendra Horn who was our congresswoman for a little while I know that name yes so she was the director and I went to Kendra and we had lunch and I said I want to run for office what do I run for I mean I didn't that's how little I knew I really didn't even know where my skills fit I just knew that I wanted to be in public service and I knew that I wanted to run for office. So I initially thought city council. I thought maybe state Senate. I was a little worried about that because I didn't think I was qualified. And then she said, you need to look into county commissioner. Hmm. And I thought, okay, I've met one of the county commissioners before, but I don't really know everything that their job entails. So I started researching and I literally bought a book about this county commissioner in Florida. Leslie, no, just kidding. Yeah. (laughs) I can't even remember the name of the woman, but it was all about what she did as county commissioner and all the projects she worked on and the way she helped her community. And it 
I read it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do. Have you ever thought about contacting her and being like, hey, I read your book and then I did it. Oh no, <laughs> but I should. You should do that. That'd be amazing. I hope I can remember her name. I'll look at it when I get home. So at the time, so this was early 2017, the woman who held the seat of the district that I lived in was retiring. So the seat was going to be open, which for any political seat, that's a big deal because you are no longer running against an incumbent. Yeah. You're not running against someone who has the last four years in the office Mm -hmm. to go off of. Everyone has a clean slate. And I looked at Kendra and I said, Kendra, I don't think I'm qualified to be county commissioner. And she almost got mad at me. (laughs) Oh, man. Because she was like, Carrie, every woman says that to me. Was she like, if you only knew? Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. She said, you have the perfect background for this job. Wow. You you come from a blend of city and county government. You have experience in nonprofit. You have a master's degree. You have all these relationships in the community from your job building partnerships. She was like, I know you're young, but this is perfect for you. Don't ever think that you're not qualified. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> And I can't imagine sitting across from Kinder Horn and being like, no, you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I just, nope. And so that was early 2017. By May of 2017, I had hired a consulting firm. I had launched my campaign. I had a website. I was raising money. And by July of that year, I was knocking on doors. Wow. So from the time I decided to the time I was like out actively campaigning was like a couple of months. Which is crazy. So let's say the first seed of the idea, it sounds like it hit you maybe in 2016. Mm-hmm. Then you felt the fire in 2016. Yeah. And you were elected when? So I started campaigning in 2017. I w- was elected in 2018. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. So m- my election was a little unique. Um, my primary was very crowded. I had four people. I was running against three other people in my primary election. I did not. So in Oklahoma, in order to quote, win your primary, you have to win 50% of the vote plus at least one vote. So when there's four people on the ballot, it's hard to do that. Yeah. So I won, I got the most votes of all four people, but I did not get 50% plus one vote. So you have to go into what's called a runoff. Yeah. So two months later, the top two people are on the ballot again, and you have to get your voters to what show up. What was your stress level again. like? Again, it was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. Uh, and when I'm stressed, I, I'm, I don't eat. I'm very oh, bad no. at. So I look back on pictures and I'm like, oh, I was, I was not healthy. <laughs> Were you scary, Gary? I was not. I was That's scary, Gary. I was not healthy. Um, so I won my, then I won my runoff and then three months later you go to the general and you have to win against the candidate from the other party. So I had three elections oh my gosh. in six months we're and gonna, I was still, we're going to pause and take a nap just from <laughs> hearing that. Holy and I smokes. was working full time and campaigning oh full time, but I went into that process knowing that I was giving up a lot to make yeah. it happen. I was giving up time with friends. I was giving up free time. I knew that going in, and so, and I had watched Cindy do a similar mm, journey. Yeah, and so I was not surprised by how much work it took. I I, knew, I was yeah. expecting it. Well, it sounds like you were around other women, and I I know this is true. 
in entrepreneurial world where women are like, you should just start a business. I'll, I'll just walk you through yeah. it. And you watch other women yes. do it. And so it sounds like that is how you got started and yes. you are very adamant and excited about getting other women in that process yes. as well. When I was campaigning, there were probably three to four other women who were also first-time candidates who I met through Sally's List. Wow. We all were recruited by Sally's List. Two were Senate candidates, uh, state Senate candidates. A couple were House state House candidates, and one was a city council candidate. So we all became friends and would message all the time and before campaigning got really ramped up, we would hang out and go get breakfast. Uh, that group of women I still talk to. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I just, it's, it's so sad that most of us, me included, don't know a, what it takes to get there. Cause I, I would look at that and say, I'm not qualified and I don't even know what do you do all day? I don't know. <laughs> solve hard problems. And I think to me, I also, after hearing you speak at Creative Mornings, I was like, does she ever like not work? Like I, I would, I would be the person worrying about the city's problems all the time. And so like, that just seems like such a heavy responsibility, such a hard job. And I think our community, again, including me, we just don't understand what it takes to get there or how much work it is. So thank you for your service. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I just am like, how do you even begin to solve the problems that you guys deal with? I love watching your, what are they called? The Friday updates? Um, uh, so I will do live videos on Facebook called Live with Commissioner Carrie. Yes. And then I've started doing some on Instagram. Uh, there's very different audiences on those platforms. Yeah. So I try to hit both. Uh, but people are pretty engaged when I do those live videos because if they're tuning in, they're pretty hungry for information yeah. about how does this government of mine actually work mm -hmm. and the, the taxes that I'm paying, how is that money actually being spent? Yeah. And among my colleagues, I think I sometimes, they don't like how transparent I try to be with what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Because they're so used to not having to be transparent. And I've not, I'm an Enneagram six. So honesty is like paramount to me. Yeah. Don't trick me. Don't lie to me. <laughs> and so that's kind of the lens that I have with my work of, I don't want to pull the wool over anyone's eyes for any reason. I think though, and this is conjecture, 100% conjecture. It feels like just the political climate, and I'm not going to get into all that, but like the political climate and the generation now of, you know, our peers and the people younger than us, we are craving that transparency. And so to me, because you're saying, hey, this is exactly what happened and I don't like it, but it happened. Mm -hmm. And so now we're going to roll with it. Mm -hmm. Like that is so refreshing Instead of just some BS, it's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. We are handling everything wonderfully. Well, like nobody's perfect. Yeah. And these are big problems on yeah. a very big scale. Yes. And I, I am, I find it so refreshing, the transparency part of it. So just keep doing it. Thank Please you. don't stop. Thank you. It's so important. Um, gosh, I just can't imagine. So like, was there a point in your life personally 
I don't know if it came through your campaign or whatever, where you got your personal yay back about government, about the local government, or was it more of like a process? The more you did it, the more you loved it. When I was campaigning, I knocked on a lot of doors um, 14,000 to be exact. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, and that took, that was an 18 month process. Gosh. So every voter that I would talk to, whether it was, they had no idea what a county commissioner did mm-hmm. and they were just glad that I showed up or it was a voter who told me something very personal about their life that I was surprised me as a stranger to them coming to their door, they would tell me these things. The more people I interacted with and the more voters that thanked me and trusted me with their information and trusted me with their story, the more I was like, okay, I'm, I'm supposed to be doing this. And it, I'm, I'm pretty introverted surprisingly but I loved knocking on doors. I, I still love it. I do it for candidates all the time. I know. You're always on. I'm like, <laughs> it's crazy. I, it's, it's that huge face-to-face interaction of, hi, I'm Carrie. I'm your county commissioner. I'm just here to tell me, tell me what, your, what your concerns are. Do you have any questions about what I do? God, I mean, how refreshing, though. Like, as, as someone who is represented by you, I live in your district. I'm just like, I'm I, honestly, and I'm not saying this because you're at my house recording this podcast, but like, I am proud to be represented by you oh. because of the transparency, because I see you out there supporting people and because, and maybe I got to see that firsthand through Creative Mornings, but it was just like, man, this is somebody who actually is responding to the questions in a way that's a normal human and not like putting up walls and, right. you know, redirecting as quote politicians tend to do yeah so and I see you out there all the time and and so it makes me want to be more involved because I'm like okay well if somebody wants to involve me and actually is going to listen then maybe I should start being involved sharing my opinion I love that yeah it's it's awesome I love it so much um and I also love that you've implemented the I'm going to say it wrong the the pet of the what is it the pet of the month the pet of the month yeah and I wanted Full disclosure, I wanted to make it the dog of the month. but I my, knew it. I knew it. My staff told me that I was not allowed to do that. You can't discriminate. I know. So it because is the pet of the month. We have chosen a cat one good. time. Well, now you've met Neptune, so I'm going to put him in the running. Okay. His um, bow tie, did that sway you at yes, all? Yes, it, it did move him up on the <laughs> on his points. Uh, we've, we've recognized two dogs and a cat so far. Um, I do know people who live in the district who have pigs and who have In llamas. District 1, in Oklahoma City. So District Amazing. 1 is really big. Can wow. I tell everyone everything that's included in my district? Yeah. Not everything. So my district, um, District 1, because I'm it's the number one district. It's the best district ever. Number one. Um, someone pointed out to me the other day that it reminded them of the Hunger Games. <laughs> And I'd never thought about that. Why? Because it's district? Yeah. Are the districts in Hunger Games numbered? Yes. One through 12. Oh my god. 12 is the worst. One <laughs> is the capital, but it's also falling apart. Okay. 
Okay. Have you, hold on, we need to, have you read the Hunger Games? Game? I have, but it's been a while. I see okay. them right there on your shelf. Yeah, they're there. The, the prequel came out last year. I didn't know about yeah. that. Yeah, uh, Ballad of Songbirds, Songbirds and, and Snakes. Snakes. It tells the story of uh, President Snow. Ooh, I need to read it. Yeah, girl. So my district includes, so, okay, in Oklahoma County, there are three county commissioners. We are each elected from a district. So if you live in District 2, you cannot vote for me, unfortunately. Um, You have to live in District 1. District 1 is most of central Oklahoma City. So it goes as far south as downtown. And it goes as far north as Belle Isle. Okay. My western boundary is kind of where I-44 curves and takes that little south been mm-hmm. for a little bit right there right outside my window <laughs> <laughs> and then it goes my district goes east it includes all of northeast oklahoma city spencer it gets skinnier on the east Is yes that it right? does I it also includes dell city midwest city what jones and luther which Luther is in the very top northeast corner of the county. And I've seen you out in Jones and Luther. I'm like, I don't understand. Because <laughs> it's in my district. So all those people, I'm, I was on their ballot in 2018. I don't, Amazing. I don't know if they voted for me. Um, so my district includes the very most urban part of Oklahoma City and then the most wow. rural part of the county. Or one of the most rural parts of the county. That's awesome, though. Yeah. Because I tend to, this is probably not going to be a popular thing to say. I grew up in Broken Arrow. Okay. And then I moved, I lived in Norman for like five minutes and then I moved to Oklahoma city and I forget that most of Oklahoma is rural. Like I just forget because I've only ever lived in the city and I'm like still to this day, please don't send me hate mail. I will watch the weather report and be like, I have never heard of that place. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Uh, but I love it. I love rural Oklahoma is Oklahoma. Yeah. And there's so much to explore and see, but it's fascinating that the districts are so, mm-hmm. I bet there's a very unique story about how they became those shapes. Yeah. I don't even know how you would describe the shape of my district. And it's every 10 years we redistrict. Oh. Based on census data. So the census data is behind. We have not received yes. it yet. We should have received it already, but we... Because of the pandemic. Because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So we may not redistrict until the fall. And I'm not quite sure for county government what that process looks like because I've never done that. At the state capitol, when they're redistricting house districts and senate districts, there's a whole staff that does that. Wow. We don't quite have that infrastructure, so I'm not sure how we will redistrict. But the three county commissioner districts, essentially, you have you have to represent a third of the county's population. So however you need to cut up the district so that each of us represent a third, wow. a third, a third. Interesting. Yeah. So it's probably intentional. I would hope that there is some rural in with the downtown and the city. Yes. I don't know how you would make a district so that it, there was like a rural commissioner and then an urban county. I don't know. I don't know how you do that either. Anyway. No hopefully idea. that won't happen. No idea. Um, so one more question and then we'll go to a break. Do how long, so you were elected in 2018, 2018, you started, 
Is, did you take office in 2018? I took office January of 2019. Okay, I was panicked that your bio was wrong. <laughs> I was like, uh, that's not what I just told everyone listening. <laughs> so you were elected in 2018. You started, you took office in January 2019. And so how long are you in office? So my term is four years. So I will be on the ballot again in 2022. So next year. Okay. And for county commissioners, there are no term limits. So I could serve as your county commissioner as long as I continue to get elected. Yes, queen. (laughs) (laughs) But I am, uh, you heard it here first, I am running for re-election. Oh, gosh. Okay, I just want to ask you a million questions. We're going to take a quick break for the ads, and then we're going to talk more about how people can get involved and why we should be involved in local government. When people ask about your business, what do you say? How do you describe your products or services? Are you selling yourself short because you just can't put it into words? You're good at what you do, but it's not always easy to communicate that with simplicity. I'll help you clarify your mission and communicate your value with a hype kit. This process will help you cut through the noise and share the very best of what you do. For all the details and the good stuff you'll get out of this process, email me at andrea at strategic-hype.com to get yours today. Hey friends, if your to-do list is overflowing, you need to meet my friend Rebecca Mills. She's a virtual assistant that will take your to-dos and turn them into done She helps business owners and speakers prioritize their lives and focus on their area of expertise. Rebecca uses her natural eye for detail, her creative problem solving, and delivers excellence every time. Whether you need podcast production, social media management, or creative processing, Rebecca is ready to help you achieve more. Check out the show notes for her contact info and book your free discovery call today. Oh my gosh. Okay, Carrie, we're back. First of all, before we get into another serious conversation, I just curly hair grows <gasps> unite. Yes. Like we need to do a whole podcast about curly hair and products. Oh, I could People I could just don't know that they don't know. Do that for many I could talk for hours. I just how it, many how many hundreds of dollars have you spent on product trying to figure out something that will work? A lot. So many. The key is finding a hairdresser if that's the correct term for them. Yes, I don't know. Who doesn't just say, oh, I know how to do curly hair, has curly hair themselves. Yes. I'm tired of the lies. And says, I have been trained how to properly cut curly hair. That's real. You heard it first here, friends. Mm -hmm. It's a real thing. Mm -hmm. I went to, I used to get, I hate to even say this, I used to get a diva cut and it was just so expensive. Yes. That it hurt my feelings. Yes. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. At the time, I was working in a nonprofit, and I was like, this is like my whole salary for the month. (laughs) And so, for those of you listening who don't know what a diva cut is, it is a specific training method that hairdressers are trained in and to cut curly hair. And I used to go to a woman who would charge for just a cut. Maybe she also washed my hair. It was like 120. That's what mine was. Yeah. And I was like, I don't I can't I can't do this I can't so the woman that I go to now has curly hair herself 
I believe she is trained in the diva cutting method, but she does not advertise herself in that way, to my knowledge. So she charges probably half of what I was paying at this other woman. Yeah. So I went to a couple people in between. One was this salon. The lady was super nice, but I'm like, I don't know. I've been to several in the past four years. So many. And then I, so I went to the diva cut, love the results, but I was like, I, I can't afford this. Not, and when your hair short, you get this, you have to cut it every, yes. every like four and a half minutes. Yes. <laughs> it's so bad. You're like, great. So I, that's part of why, like during quarantine, I just let it grow and I'm just le- keeping it long. But the, I went to a girl at a really bougie, cool, hip local salon okay. and she was like, oh yeah, I have curly hair. And I'm like, you don't, you say it's curly when it's wet. You don't know what curls, curls are not waves. It is not the same. Don't lie to me. And I spent like $200 for a cut and color. And I was like, eh. But the last girl I went to, fantastic. Good. Absolutely. One of the best Good. cuts I've had in a long time. Good. Anyways, uh, that is a look into our <laughs> personal health <laughs> of curly hair. But I love your hair. Thank you. Um, I just cut it pretty short. It is short. a month or two ago. Love it. Um, it looks I- very thick. Is it thick? I have very thick hair. Mine is so thin. I have very thick hair. Sad. When I was campaigning and when I first got into office, I had hair down to almost my butt. It was very long, and then I just got tired of it one day. And and I'm just thinking of you like knocking on all those doors with long hair. I would braid it. Oh my gosh. And like do a little side braid, and that's what I did every day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I love your hair. I'm a big fan. Thank you. I'm a big fan of Carrie and her hair. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So I want to shift now and talk a little bit about why everybody should give a crap about local government, because we should, how we can get involved and all that. But before I do, I want to start with a quote, which I've never done on the podcast. Um, One of my favorite books of all time is You Learn by Living by Eleanor Roosevelt. Okay. She is, you know when people are like, what, if you could have lunch with anybody, who would it be? I'm like, Eleanor Roosevelt, hands down. Fascinating. She lived through it. She's been through a lot. She's not alive now, but her life is fascinating to me. This book, I just reread it again this year. And she says, and the last chapter is about politics. And she says, politics is the participation of the citizen in his government. The kind of government he has depends entirely on the quality of that participation. Therefore, every single one of us must learn as early as possible to understand and accept our duties as a citizen. I love that. Uh, amazing. That, I mean, this book, I need to just get you a copy. Yeah. But it's phenomenal. And I, there's so many other quotes. She, she talks about, you know, the very basic thing we have to do as citizens is to vote. And if you're going to vote, you have to do it intelligently. How do you do that? And so she really expounds on that in the very last chapter of this book. And I just, I think where global politics, national politics started turning in 2016, everything became so over the top. And I think I started to pay more attention Mm -hmm. in the past four to five years than I ever have. And there are times when, as just a citizen, I felt so overwhelmed with there's an election like every four and a half days it feels like and I'm like I don't I don't understand what Ironically, I'm voting for now. Ironically as we're recording this there's an election on Tuesday. 
Oh my gosh. I just, I'm like, there's like a million local elections and I want to be involved. I want to be informed. I don't want to just vote straight down the docket, but you look at a, just to look at the ballot and I'm like, there are 30 names here. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And this person has been in office for 15 years. Mm -hmm. And so it is very overwhelming as a citizen. And I think it's something, and I don't want to compare it to race and what we're learning about being allies, but it does feel like a heavy thing where it's, it's a commitment for life. Mm-hmm. It is something that we have to take on just like we That's take on. That's a very on, good way to put it. Uh, we, we take on allyship. It's not something I'm going to read a book and I'm informed about, you know, black lives matter. It's how do I change my behavior and my education yeah. from the past? And I know my generation, I think my, I did, we didn't learn about politics. We had social studies in school, which I don't even know what that means still. But I mean, there have been times in the past year where I'm like, how does the federal government work? YouTube, please tell me where it, it because I want to be informed and we have to ask those questions and we have to admit what we don't know, which is scary yeah. and hard. Um, but on the local scale, that is the thing. And in the intro, I said this, you know, this is maybe one of the most important episodes that we've done because local government affects my daily life every single day. And so if I'm not going to take part in that, then I'm abdicating my role as yeah. a citizen and saying like, I'm okay with whatever. Yeah. I, I, I hesitate to say I don't have a right to protest and do everything if I'm not going to vote and be involved, but it is kind of like, well, if you, if you don't want to be involved, then how upset can you be yeah. with the results of something yeah. that you've, you know, abdicated? Yeah. So why, in your opinion, why should we as just average citizens care or care more about just the local government and how it affects us. Do we have all day? Um, (laughs) (laughs) We might have to break for lunch. (laughs) So in, I will speak from what I know of Oklahoma city, Oklahoma County, the central Oklahoma area. Mm -hmm. Well, what was that? Nobody panic. It was just my my drawer closed in the desk. Oh, I thought maybe your cat got out or it something. It is not. The house is not haunted. Please okay. continue. Okay. So you as a citizen and me, we pay taxes. You pay property taxes. Even if you're renting, a portion of your rent probably goes to pay for your the owner of the property's taxes. You pay sales tax. You pay income tax. Um, those are the three main ones. And the bulk of that money, especially your property taxes, are spent here in your community. Mm -hmm. So every year when we are, we, meaning myself and the other commissioners, are voting on the county budget, we are literally voting on how to spend your money. Yeah. We are voting on how much should the sheriff get? How much should our social services department get? How much should we put towards... Our program that gets people out of jail um, on an OR bond, which I can explain that later. So, and because of the way I ran for our office and the platform that I ran on of you, the people, tell me what is important to you and I will fight for you. I could change how I vote on something if enough people contact me and say, we really don't like this. Or please vote for this thing. Mm -hmm. And 
because I've set myself up to be that accessible and listen to voters like that, um, it, it makes me change how I might vote on something. Now, not every elected official operates in that fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, I will give a good example, not of my colleagues, but I will give a good example of people getting involved. So last summer, we were in the height of the pandemic. There was the um, federal government, so Congress and the then the president passed a bill that was commonly referred to as the CARES Act. And yes. C-A-R-E-S stood for something, Coronavirus Aid and Relief something something. And that money came down to, so the federal government, man, how deep do I want to get into this? So when money and resources and aid need to go directly to people, the best way is to get money to local governments because we have people on the ground, mm-hmm. we can respond immediately. So CARES Act funds came straight to cities and counties. Oklahoma City last summer received $114 million in CARES Act funds. Oklahoma County received $47 million. So when we received that money, I instantly started contacting people. How do you think we should use this? I contacted um, business owners. I contacted Chamber of Commerce. I contacted Cox to talk about uh, expanding broadband. Wow, yeah. Um, I called workforce development programs of how can we support you to get people back into the workforce. And I, I came into that process with no real agenda other than this money has to go to people Tell me how, what people need it the most. Yeah. People and businesses. And my colleagues decided that it needed to go to our jail. Our county jail, for those of you who may have been living in a cave um, or under a rock, um, our county jail has a lot of issues. And the building itself is a really poorly maintained building and poorly built building. So long before COVID, that building had issues. Mm-hmm. But my colleagues wanted to send $40 million of the $47 million to our jail to, quote, fix the jail. And all these people showed up at our meetings and basically said, no, you will not do this with our money. And granted, this is federal dollars, mm-hmm. so this is different than um, – you have a cat in your backyard. There are many cats that peruse the premises. Do they know that you, there's a cat in here now? Um, I believe so. Okay. I try to feed them and they run away from me. Oh. I was very concerned about them during the sub-zero temperatures, but they have all survived. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It's just we have some neighborhood cats. Okay. I appreciate your concern for them. Yes. Um, I thought for a second that your cat got out and I was worried. No. Unless that one outside's wearing a bow tie. No. Okay. We're good. <laughs> Um, so back to CARES money. So all summer, it was really August, September, all these activists and regular citizens started showing up to our meetings and speaking. And some of them got very emotional and very angry. And um, it, I think it made some of the stuff that was said on whether you were against it or for it. I think, I mean, people said nasty stuff to me. People said nasty stuff to my colleagues. So it was all over the board. But for the most part, most of the people showing up said, no, you will not spend this money on the jail that has been failing for years. The community needs this money. And 
we were slowly able to get $25 million. So the $40 million was sent to the jail. Mm -hmm. The jail decided we really only need 15 million and they sent the rest back. And so when they sent the rest back, we were able to spend it on rental assistance, small business grants. Um, We were able to do all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I would contribute a lot of that to these people who showed up week after week wow. and spoke up and signed yeah. up to speak and sent emails and sent Facebook messages. And I think it changed some of my colleagues' minds. Well, I hear that all the time. Everybody, anytime there's a speed bump in any politics or government situation they're like write your representatives and I'm like I can only write so many letters right and my first reaction honestly is like they're not going to read it I can't say that all of them read those notes from their constituents if they care about what their constituents think and if they care about their constituents personal experiences they will read them Mm. Senator Kurt who is a state senator here in Oklahoma City, I saw her post the other day a picture of a sticky note that her assistant wrote for her. And the assistant was keeping track of every email that Senator Kurt received on a certain bill. Mm -hmm. How many emails were against the bill and how many emails were for the bill? She received over 400 emails about one bill. Wow. And they were 90% for it. Or I can't remember if it was for or against, but 90% in one way. And so Senator Kurt knew knew that this is what wow. her people wanted. Now, 400 is a lot. Yeah. Um, that was a pretty, it sounds like there was a pretty coordinated effort on behalf of whatever group that was affecting. Yeah. Um, so. Wow. But back to your original question about why should people care about local government. My salary is paid for by your tax dollars. And so if I'm not listening, you are my boss. You as the voter are my boss. You pay my, you I'm pay my- so tempted to make a joke here, <laughs> but I you, won't. you pay my salary. You pay my, all my staff salary. Mm-hmm. So why would I not, even if I disagree with you and I may not vote the way you want me to vote, why would I not listen, at least listen to you? Yeah. And I know not every elected official approaches their job in that way. I hope more of us do. Um, so I try my best every email I receive or message I receive, I try my best to respond. Sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes it falls through the cracks. If I'm you- scared of like what your DMs look like on Instagram. So if I have a staff member who answers my Facebook messages, who helps me do oh, that. Oh, good. Yeah. And I will sometimes have someone help me with emails. I try to do my own emails, but sometimes it's... There's a lot. I think during coronavirus, you posted your work from home. You're like, look, I'm down to like 500 emails. And I was like, I need to vomit (laughs) for a second. I'll be right back. (laughs) I cannot imagine receiving 500 emails. It's a lot. Um, But good for everybody who's sending emails. Yes. I mean, yay. Yes. Yes. And even if people are very emotional and angry in their emails, I still respond back. A few times people have been very nasty to me and I will respond back and say, thank you for contacting me, but please don't contact me if you're going to speak to me that way. Like calling me Yes, names. girl. Yeah. Not appropriate. Yeah. Because it's email. Yeah. Or if we have gotten some nasty Facebook messages. Mm. 
Yeah. Um, Twitter. Ooh, man. Twitter is a hotbed. It uh, lasts. I, I try not to get onto Twitter right. often. It so, scares me. Okay, it's April. So back in January, I took Twitter off of my phone because I was doom scrolling. And then yeah. I tweeted something in January that blew up. And we got so many negative tweets. We got people calling the office complaining. We got, I mean, it turned into this whole thing. And so I took it off my phone. I gave my Twitter account to my communications director. And mm-hmm. I said, do whatever you want. I said, I'll post occasionally. But I said, I'm not going to be checking it. Um, I'll tell you, I'll give you ideas of what to post. But she's great. She knows how to, she knows what types of things I would post. Yeah. And so she does most of it now. Twitter scares me because when I get on there, everyone's angry. And then I get angry. And then yes. I say things that are not nice. Yes. And... I was thinking about one in particular with the snowstorm. I was so emotionally on edge. I think we lived through the ice storm. We're still in a pandemic. And then we have sub-zero temps and, you know, two feet of snow. And I was like, my emotions are, everyone was stressed out. And I was tweeting things that I still stand by, but I probably would change the tone. (laughs) My Enneagram 8 was definitely on display during the snowpocalypse of 2021. Please don't look at my Twitter. Yeah. I'm advertising it now. That's so bad. Um, anyway, uh, wow. Okay. Um, so what is, I just want everybody, so the podcast for me is I want people to feel good, have fun, but I want them to be able to do something, right? I, I, I hate to only make you feel good because it's only half of why we're here. I want you to laugh and have fun and get your yay back, but like be able to do something. Yeah. So like if you would give me a homework assignment or what's one thing that anybody could do to be more involved or, you know, whether that's vote or just where can we, what resources do you have? What would you recommend for just the average gal? Person. Yeah. I have a couple of ideas. The first one is you should sign up to receive an absentee ballot for every election. Not that, not because you're going to vote absentee, which you can if you want. And absentee is voting by mail. Mm-hmm. You can still receive your absentee ballot in the mail and go vote on election day. The reason why I encourage this is because for every single election, your ballot will be mailed in the mail to you. So you could receive a ballot and be like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know we had an election coming up. Um. And now you have the ballot in your hands. It typically comes six weeks before a regular election. And you have all you of the names. Research. You have all the names and you can research. So I have started voting by mail. um, But every now and then I will go in person because it's fun. And I like my poll workers. I'm sad to lose my polling place at Santa Fe Family Life Center now that I've moved. Because they were so nice. Yes. But I work out there still. Okay. Do you know where your new polling place is? No, not since I've moved. It is in writing somewhere. Okay. I have it written down. Okay. It's on my card. Okay. So that's my first recommendation is... And maybe I can't think off the top of my head of where you go to register your absentee ballot. I would go to probably the ok.gov elections website. And it's it's pretty easy to walk yourself through signing up t- to get your absentee ballot. That's the first thing. The second thing is most elected officials, especially if they are, say, under the age of 45 are going to be posting what they're doing on social media. 
I feel uncomfortable saying this, but you should follow my social media accounts. <laughs> We're going to say it at the end anyway. Okay. So Because I try really hard to post all the time of what we're working on. Yeah. And I always ask, I always post my email. I ask for feedback. Um, so that's a good way to stay engaged with people. There is a thing called the Open Meetings Act, which all you really need to know about that is that any meeting of elected officials has to be open to the public. It has to be, the agenda has to be posted in advance. Um, the minutes have to be posted afterwards. It's, it's meant to create transparency. Our meetings at in-county government are actually live streamed on YouTube. A lot of people don't know that. Did not know. So there is an Oklahoma County YouTube channel that is run by our county clerk. You can subscribe and when you open YouTube, it will have past recordings of past meetings or it will have a live meeting going on right then. Wow. So I will typically be, if my staff have to go to a committee meeting, I don't go to the committee meeting. I work in my office and I watch the meeting live on my computer. Same with our jail trust, which is the body that governs the jail mm -hmm. right now. Um, their meetings are streamed live. And the city mm -hmm. of Oklahoma City does the same thing. They have their own YouTube channel. I assume you can just Google Oklahoma City government. I don't know. I'm sure Google yeah. will tell us yeah. everything we need. So those two city and county both stream their meetings live. And sometimes what's discussed in the meeting is going to be like pretty nitty gritty stuff and mm -hmm. may not be sexy and exciting. But every now but and then we have really exciting stuff that we talk about. <laughs> and worst case, you can tune into the meetings and be like, hey, I know Carrie. Yeah. She was on the podcast. Yeah. That is my favorite that yeah. I stream and yeah. subscribe and I've left an Apple review. <laughs> yeah. So I know one thing. Do you have uh, – in the past elections, I've learned, and I'm going to say this wrong, I know. No, no, I remembered. League of Women Voters, they published uh, – a lot of helpful information mm -hmm. um, when I was researching candidates. And I, you know, my goal was to research all of them. And then I got so tired, but I did my best. And I felt more informed. And it felt so empowering to be like, I know who this person is, what they believe, and what their opponent believes. Yes. And so do you know of any other resources like that um, where we can find out more to do the research? I don't mean to plug another podcast on this podcast. Do it. But Let's Fix This is an Oklahoma City-based nonpartisan podcast that they will sometimes do, I don't know if they do voter guides, but they will kind of break down issues, talk about candidates. They're a good one. I'm glad you mentioned League of Women Voters. Um... Here's my one complaint about Oklahoma politics. There are other states that publish voter guides. Um, I have a friend who used to live in Chicago, and she was in the mail before every major election. She would receive a voter guide, and it would have a bio and a picture and information about every candidate that's going to be on her ballot. I'm jealous of that. Right. Oh, my gosh. And the reason why we don't do that in Oklahoma is because that is infrastructure to put together that type of document takes a lot of money mm -hmm. and 
I cannot remember if it was the state election system that put that out or the states, the Republican Party and the Democrat Party. In Oklahoma, I can only speak for the Democrat Party because that's the party I am a rep- I am a Democrat. I ran as a Democrat. We do not have the money to put out that. We as a state party don't have the money to put out that type of document. I would yeah. love for us to someday. Mm-hmm. Um, for the school board election that's coming up, in a couple of days, there have actually been a lot of online forums where you can sit and listen to both candidates. The Foundation for Oklahoma City Public Schools did a forum. Mm-hmm. Um, VOICE. Ooh, do you know about VOICE? No, tell me. VOICE stands for um, Voices Organized in Civic Engagement. They are also nonpartisan. Um, I will say they lean left. Um, but they will often do candidate forums before elections. Before the big MAPS vote, mm-hmm. they did forums on what's included in MAPS. Um, they, in 2020, they did some forums before the 2020 election. Who else? Voice. That's kind of what I can think of right now. Sally's List, the organization that recruited me to run, they are also nonpartisan. However, they also lean left. And they, before elections, they will always post what women they've endorsed. Mm-hmm. So if you feel like your values align with Sally's List, you can always go to their website and see what women Sally's List has endorsed. Mm-hmm. And you, will, if you align with their values, you will more than likely like these candidates. Um, like I know for the school board election on Tuesday, they've endorsed two women. And then there's also a special election for the Senate seat that Stephanie Bice mm-hmm. left and they've endorsed a candidate for that too. So leading me into, you're really good at that. Thank you. Leading me into the next question. Um, last question and then we'll get to, I say last question, <laughs> allegedly the last question and we'll get to rapid fire. Okay. Um, how can we help you or other people in their election or reelection? knocking on doors and a lot of people are scared to knock on doors i just am tired just you saying that makes me my introvert so you can go with a friend you can always do it with someone and i don't mean just walk out your front door and start knocking on the doors on your street i mean find a candidate you believe in find Mm -hmm. a candidate that you want to get reelected or elected for the first time and attend one of their volunteer events they will probably provide some sort of brief training for you on what to say and what to do if the person comes to the door with a weapon or something like that, or a dog. Now I'm I'm really excited about it. (laughs) All my true crime dreams will come true. I mean, some people tried to give me, like, snacks and drinks, and it was great. Some people are very very nice. You should have led with that. You should have led with, you might get food from a stranger at their door. (laughs) Um. One of the first people to ever offer me a snack when I was knocking on doors was Laura Massanet. Oh, I don't know her. She owns Elemental Coffee. Oh. She offered me like a cheese board. <laughs> like she was having a cheese. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, so, and here is why I stress knocking on doors so much. And, and this is, I learned from the best. I learned from Cindy Munson. To get people to vote for you. Andrea, what do you think is the easiest way to get someone to vote for you when I, when I need thousands of people to vote for me? 
I mean, logically, you think big media, right? Like you get a billboard. That's, that's the first thing you think. Yeah, but it's probably the opposite of that. <laughs> it's probably like you set me up for failure, Carrie. I know, I'm sorry. It's probably like everything else that is successful. It's relationships. Yes. Did I win? Do yes. I get a cheese board? Yes, you do. <laughs> So I knew in order for me to win was I needed to talk face-to-face with as many voters as possible. And you do that by knocking on their door. And we use data to figure out which doors to go knock. Mm -hmm. So we know, I don't know how you vote, but I know how often you vote. And I know in what types of elections you vote in. Well, now you also know where I live, so feel free to knock. Yes, okay. I don't have a cheese board. Okay. You do have a cute cat, though. I have a cat in a really nice coffee bar. (laughs) I'll make you a cup of joe. So if you are wanting to support a candidate, help them get elected, most candidates will need you to go knock on doors. If it's a pandemic, they may need you to text or to call people. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did not, thankfully, have to campaign during 2020. Okay, but is there one, how many times did you think during the pandemic, what if I was working at the health department still? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Was that a real thing? Like, oh my. Yeah. Oof. Um, Most of the community-facing programs that the health department was doing for 2020 were put on hold, and all of those staff members were put on covid I can't like they totally changed their yeah. business model for I mean, COVID. You had to. Right. I shouldn't say they changed it. They just had to adapt. They had to adapt and they know how to do that. That's wild. Yeah. I can't I just I cannot. Um okay, ready for rapid fire questions? I'm so ready. This is like my favorite part. I told you before we started recording, this is kind of just for me, and if anybody else loves it, <laughs> um then that's great. You're into it. Like your whole body, you just I'm so sat up it. straight oh my gosh. and like leaned in. Here we go. This is, she's ready. She looks like she's about to be on like a, a game show. I need a, do I, I need a, a buzzer? I don't, I don't have a buzzer. Um, okay. What is a hidden talent that you have, Carrie? I can hold a handstand for a while. That's impressive. Like, I would maybe vote for you just for that. <laughs> I was a gymnast growing up. Okay. A comp- competitive gymnast. And then I am a yoga instructor. Oh. I left that part out of my story. That's a that's a big deal. That's a lot of hours to become a yoga instructor. I had to stop teaching yoga when I decided to run for office because I just yeah. there was not enough time in the day. So do you still practice mm-hmm. regularly? Yeah. Oh, I love yoga. It changed my life in 2020. Not going to lie. I talk about it like in every episode. I don't know how. I don't do it on purpose, but I somehow mention yoga. I'm sorry, everyone. Um, if you could travel back in time, where or when would you go? My The first thing that comes to mind is the 60s for two reasons. You know, I picked that up from you. I was feeling okay. it. Number one. Maybe the, it's your flowy dress. The fashion. Yeah, okay. I want to live in the 60s fashion. Number two, I want to live through the civil rights movement and like be a part of it. Even though we are very much living through a I wish people could see your body language right now. (laughs) She's like really into it. She's like, I want to live in it. But when she said it, she was like, I'm going to fight in it. Yeah, Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, um, what was what is your most used emoji? 
Probably the thumbs up. Maybe the taco. <laughs> I love that. The taco. Because that's my dog's name. Taco. And what's your other dog's name? Dottie. Dottie. There's not an emoji for Dottie. There needs to be one. Yeah. I mean, I have to be honest with you. I waited till now to say this because we're done, but I'm not a huge fan of chihuahuas. He's only half chihuahua. My sister has like nine. I don't know. Oh my three, gosh. Three chihuahuas, two, 2.5. Okay. Three. Okay. She has like five kids and they all have pets and it's like a, it's like a zoo over That's there. That's a lot. Taco. Taco's pretty cute though. Yeah. He's half chihuahua, half dog. I do want to snuggle Dottie if that's ever an She's option. good at that. I just, getting a cat made me love dogs more, which I didn't anticipate at all. I was never a dog person, but now I'm like, I'd snuggle that. I'd snuggle that pup. Um, what is your favorite dessert? I love gummy candy. Oh. Is that a, that's a dessert. Sure. I mean, I eat it at times that would not be dessert time. <laughs> I've gotten really into, in addition to candy, I've gotten really into trying different brands and flavors of non-dairy ice cream. Oh. Like coconut milk ice cream, oat mm-hmm. milk ice cream, all kinds of I've tried well, everything. I didn't know you were a vegetarian until you mentioned it a while ago. Yes. I mean, even though we are old friends. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we met two times before this. Maybe 2.14 times. I feel like we all... Those of us who do Instagram and all of that, I feel like we know. Like, I knew that you had just bought this house. Yeah. From your neighbor. It's fine. Aren't you? You're Mary. I'm neighbors with Mary. Yeah. yeah. So it's fine. It's a small world. Yeah. Everybody on my podcast, it's like a, it's like a small little world anyway. Um, and what are you reading right now? I'm reading a book called Infinite Country. It is about a family from um, Colombia who it's a, I believe it's based on the author's real life story, but it's written kind of as fiction. Um, the mom and dad come to the United States. They have three children. The dad gets deported. Oh. And the mom decides to send the baby back home with the dad so that the mom has more freedom to work and send money home. And then when the baby and dad are able to come back, the plan is for them to come back. Wow. But that doesn't really work out. And the book starts with the daughter that has been sent home is now a teenager and she is in juvenile detention. Oh. Um, so she is trying to, um, and she has a, a flight book to come back to the United States. And so she tries to break out of juvenile detention to get on her flight to go see her mother and her siblings who she hasn't seen in like 15 years. Oh my gosh. It's good. That sounds super intense. And then I'm also reading um, Barack Obama's new book. Oh, it's on my list. I am have... halfway through. It's extremely long. Yeah. I have, I took a break from that to read Infinite Country. Yeah. His book looks amazing. I still haven't read Michelle's book. Oh, it's good. I said Michelle. Like, she was here yesterday. <laughs> Michelle. Michelle and I were talking. I have she not read her new, book yet. She has a new show. I saw that. It's so I have cute. not watched. It's I so my reading list right now. It's obscene. There's I'm reading. A Are ton you on of Goodreads? Books. Yes. Come everyone, to the, come join Goodreads. Everyone You're on follow it? me on Goodreads. I've okay. asked that before. No everyone, one pays Everyone follow me on Goodreads too. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna take our friendship to another level. Okay. On social, I'm reading a lot all the time. Um. Thank you for being here, Commissioner. Thank Can you I for call you me? Madam Commissioner? What's it, is that right? If that's what you want. 
I feel like <laughs> you kind of are into that title. <laughs> so I didn't really know this until I got this job, but around the courthouse, which is where my office is, everyone refers to the three commissioners. They call me commissioner. Um, my All my staff calls me commissioner as if that's my first name. Um, and I've, I didn't know that that's how it was going to be until I got there. And now when I'm at the state capitol or at any other government building, I notice that everyone refers to the elected official by their title. Senator, representative, counselor. Well, I felt so bad. I was like when we were booking the podcast, I was like, Carrie! Well, but... And Lou and everybody else is so respectful. And they're like, Commissioner Bloomberg will be able to. And I was like, Anna and Lou, I'm so sorry. No, you can call me Carrie. That is just what they choose to do when we're at the office. They were so wonderful, though. I just want to give props to Lou and Anna. They're great. For helping us get this going. Yeah. It was amazing. They're so, so wonderful. Anna is my communications director and Lou is my outreach. Lou is my assistant slash my outreach director. Well, props to them for helping you be here today. I appreciate them. They were so fun and so polite. Um, Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for inviting me. I hope that everyone listening feels like they know how to get a little more involved and it's not as overwhelming and they are going to sign up to get their absentee ballot. I mean, I am. I was like, that's brilliant. Yeah. So if nothing else, you've helped me. Good. And I wrangled you into hanging out for an hour. So... (laughs) Um, Carrie, thanks for being here. Um, for listeners, you can find Carrie on Facebook at your listed commissioner, Carrie Bloomert, Twitter at Carrie Bloomert, which she's not going to respond to you. Well, I get on there when I'm on my laptop. Okay. Um, (laughs) Instagram is Carrie B for OKC. All of that will be in the show notes. Thanks to Rebecca Mills for typing the show notes so I don't have to do it. Um, I hope everybody... Just like Carrie said, I hope you feel empowered and informed about local government. I hope you've learned one practical thing you can implement in your own community, whether that's Oklahoma City or anywhere else in the States. And for my two listeners in Mozambique, (laughs) I'm sorry, this is not helpful for you, but um, we're glad you're listening. Uh, But yeah, thank you for coming.